Hey guys, what's up? Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to take a quick moment and thank my oh so awesome web host, Liquid Web, uh, for sponsoring the podcast. A couple quick updates for you guys because I've been with Liquid Web for uh, a couple months now and it just keeps getting better. Since I recorded the initial spot for them, there's a couple things they've added. The features are amazing. And yes, my site is still running screaming fast, super safe. I have automatic updates. It's, it's, it's been beautiful. I don't have any downtime or issues. But what has been added is image compression is one. Uh, they've, they've set it up with TinyPNG right now, and I know that they're working on an in-house solution to that. But you guys, when I went in to optimize my images, the initial cost would have been close to $100 because the amount of media I have in my site. So just know that that it does they're they're doing that for you they're handling that for you so that's an additional cost you don't have going out they've added a couple other features within one is uh stencils you can essentially clone the site so you can create a stencil of your site so as an example if you're doing memberships or you've got niche sites you can basically clone the site it duplicates it you don't have to do this whole new install um it's really really fantastic And then the other feature they've added is tags. So again, if you're managing client sites, you can go in there, you can, you can sort it by personal sites, by client sites, but then you can search by tag. You guys, I'm pumped with these, (laughs) with these people, the hosting, the dashboard, of course, is beautiful and easy. Anyways, thank you, Liquid Web. I am super happy to be on your servers. Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. And you guys are in for a treat today because we're going to talk about something that still seems to be a mystery to many people. Um, I'm really excited today. I have Phil Singleton on the show. Phil, thank you so much for being here. Super psyched to be here. Thanks a lot, Kim. Yeah. So Phil and his partner, John Jantz, have written a book called SEO for Growth. So that's what we're talking about. And you're going to have to bear with me, Phil, because I <laughs> I feel a little bit selfish. I'm like, oh, I got to pick his brain for stuff that I need to know. But I think it'll be helpful for the audience, too. Go uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, before I, I you guys have some pretty impressive, impressive backgrounds. I will I will say that. Um, but you've had a pretty fascinating career that led you to to SEO, really. And so can you share a little bit of your journey with the listeners? Yeah, you know, I didn't start out that way. I went to school, um, got a BS in finance, and then kind of my first job out of school was uh, with an insurance company. <laughs> I was I'm, there I'm sorry. Like, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> I know. It was, I mean, it's, I think about that. And it's like the first three years I had, you know, out of school was literally in an insurance company in a beige office building and beige cubicles. <laughs> um, and I just felt, you know, I was doing okay there out of school. I was like, good. You know, I got a job or whatever at that time. It was, you know, the economy was, you know, in one of its downswings. But I just felt my life like getting pulled into this direction of being, you know, a 20 or 30 year old, a 30 year insurance veteran. Yeah. Um, and it just wasn't happening. I just had to make a big change. And I ended up just for lots of different reasons. I ended up kind of um, packing my bags and moving out to Asia and um, studying Mandarin Chinese because my dad's company was doing stuff in Asia and I had friends in college 
who had done kind of the overseas experience. And I figured, hey, if I didn't do something drastic and pull myself out of what I felt was just kind of a career that was getting laid in front of me. And, you know, the more money you make, the kind of handcuffs kind of come on. It feels like you can't kind of uh, get out and be control your own destiny type of thing. So I made this huge change. I think my parents thought I probably lost my mind, but I ended up moving out to moving out to Taiwan, studying Chinese, and I went back to grad school. And my first job out of grad school was with a kind of a venture capital company back in the day when the, in the dot com era, right? When everybody's raising money. So we had I was working for this US company that was based in Taipei, Taiwan, and we were helping these dot com companies raise a bunch of Asian venture capital. And it was great. It was a heyday. It was, you know, we were there. Guys were speak, able to speak Chinese and raise money from Asian investors. It was really easy to do. Of course, and all of a sudden, that that um, bubble popped and that whole industry was pretty much gone. <laughs> um, but what had happened and what kind of led me to the path that I'm on right now uh, was that a company, a software company, ended up basically just kind of falling in my lap because I was at the right place at the right time, right? So, there was this company that was actually based out of St. Louis. Again, I was I was in uh, still kind of based in Taipei, Taiwan. There, um, called Three Two One Studios, and they they made a software product called DVDX Copy. And I don't know if you remember like Nap- Napster back in the day. Uh huh. Um, well, this was kind of the second coming. DVDX Copy was out there for a while. It was a really popular piece of consumer software that enabled people to make backup copies of their DVD movies. Right, so it was sold everywhere, like Best Buy. And the company was really jamming. And, of course, they had their own legal issues. And the Hollywood studios came in and started to kind of sue them and try to shut them down, which they ended up doing. Yeah. Um, a little but, bit of copyright infringement there. But, yeah. yeah well, it was, it, was this, it was this fair use battle versus the DMCA of, you know, hey, you can't copy stuff. But people were like, hey, we can copy stuff. We bought it. You know, we don't have to buy the same DVD seven times. But guess who ended up winning that battle? Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it was, was Hollywood. Deeper Pockets, Yeah. <laughs> Now, the rest of the world for a little while still was you were able to sell this stuff under the fair use rights. So, but then Hollywood basically took their lobby to the rest of the world. But, but for like a short time, one or two years, I was able to basically take that 321 Studios model through the guys that started it um, and continue selling it online and through other retail channels around the world. So, and this, they did really well. I mean, in the last year of operations, so I heard from the two owners that there was like a $200 million cash company the last year it shut down. So wow. lots of software. So, right. So we still sold it, a lot of it um, outside of the U.S. for, for the, the period that we could in Taiwan. But, but the interesting thing that happened, this is going back way, way more than 15 years ago, was that most of our sales were coming in from affiliates, right, that were basically operating like forums of their own kind of, you know, early versions of blogs and this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we were paying these guys on a $99 piece of software, the big ones, 50% of the sale, Mm -hmm. right? So these guys, guys that were basically doing lifestyle gigs, um, or maybe even paying like the AdWords per clicks back when it was like 25 cents or a dollar. (laughs) you know, they're getting 50, $50 of every sale. Meanwhile, I had 25 employees. We had investors. We had, you know, our little piece of that pie shrunk down to almost nothing. We're here. We're writing checks to these guys for 50, 60, $70,000 a month who weren't basically, you know, they had control of the customer. So I was like, at that time, I was like, holy crap, you know, what's going on here? I'd like to want to try and get on a different, uh, the other side of the equation. So Hollywood basically, you know, changed the laws around the world. Um, and we ended up selling what was left of that company. I moved back to the States. And took what I had learned, basically, um, which was search engine optimization. Because at that point, I didn't really know much. You know, my background, I guess, is similar to yours in some ways. Where I read yours as, you know, you come out of like retail and kind of self-taught <laughs> yeah. some of this stuff, right? But when I had this software coming, it fell in my lap. I, it was just me, this finance, you know, I'm a finance guy, business development. I had, you know, a software development team. 
Um, and then I also had like the designers and I'd ask them, well, how does this SEO thing work? How does Google work? And they, they both gave me answers that didn't really make sense. So I had to kind of dig in and figure out how are these things ranking? How is this happening? Um, what's making, you know, websites raised to the top. So I kind of self-taught myself that way and learned the ins and outs of it. And I got a chance to learn at the global level, right? Um, but again, that, that company ended up being um, sold off. And then we, around 2005, my wife and I moved back to the States. So I was at, like 10 years overseas, moved back to the States in you know, 2005, um, ended up being in Kansas City because I have family roots here. And um, my wife ended up liking it. I wanted to move to the West Coast, right? I'm fluent in Chinese. I figured hey, it'd be nice. But I ended up, happy wife, happy life. We, we ended up um, moving here. So the, my agency, the birth of it really was, and I came, I came here. It was a nice run that we had in Asia. It was, um, I didn't have to work for a little while, but I ended up buying a little sports car. Um, <laughs> It was a 350Z. I was like, okay, cool. I have one. And I had this guy, this auto detail shop, detail it up for me and make it you know, look new again. And it was one of these de- deals, like right on your site, you swap the thing out for like the tile work or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I made a little auto detail shop out of like front page or something really silly. Ranked number one for this guy really quick. And all of a sudden, it really almost changed his life, basically, because he was selling, you know, $50 details to dealers making nothing. We could go to the, the retail market and sell them for $200. Um, one website led to another couple more trade deals. You know, now here down the road, we've done hundreds of custom websites um, and we rank, you know, very well here in Kansas City. And it's led to all sorts of other things, you know, relationships, books, all, all those things. So that's my that's my path, you know, a little oh bit God. of luck and a little bit of uh, self-taught stuff and, you know, just trying to make the best out of opportunities as they present themselves. You totally did. And it's so fu- like there's like a million questions in your intro. Um, I'll try to stay focused. Um, first, kudos to you for taking off and going overseas. It's interesting, right? And I know you've got kids and it's like uh, I, I would love for them to go overseas and just grab it before you, you know, and neither of my kids actually want to have job jobs because of they've seen what I've done. And it's, it's, that's awesome. I mean, what an amazing experience. I would think that that probably really shifted your mindset on what you wanted to do with your life just in general. Pretty much. You know, I think once you break free of kind of those, the corporate shackles, I mean, I think once I became basically independent working for myself, I was like, that was, it was, that was it. I was never going to work for, you know, another at corporate position, you know, type again. And, and I think part of that was, yeah, just kind of taking the plunge and, and, um, and doing that, I think it, it definitely totally changed my my mindset. It gives you confidence to do other things, right? Too, when you kind of do that and figure, I'm going to go somewhere, uh, take that leap, and then and then kind of try and make it make something for yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, and you didn't go to like England where <laughs> where people <laughs> speak English. You know, you chose. You know, I mean, becoming fluent in Mandarin and stuff. I mean, you really you took a leap, and I, it probably made starting your own agency seem like a piece of cake after having experienced a completely different culture. I, I just, I think it's awesome. So kudos to that. What a great experience. Um, all right. So obviously we're here to talk about your new book, SEO for growth. And, uh, you know, it's, we can't, obviously we can't cover the entire book in an hour. Um, and the goal is to get people to buy the book because of course it's great. Um, but I wanted to, so I kind of went through and I've gone through stuff that I think would be most helpful for my audience. And here's a real basic question, but I really think, We're going to pretend the whole there's no stupid question thing, um, but people don't really get. Can you explain inbound marketing before we dive into the SEO stuff? Well, I mean, I guess everybody's got a different definition of kind of what that would be. Brian Halligan, I guess, would kind of be one of the guys that that really has defined it. Um, The guy that started or co-founded HubSpot. 
But to me, my definition of it is really anything that you do that pulls people in to you so that you get an inbound lead versus doing, you know, I, I kind of separate things out marketing in general these days as demand creation versus demand capture, right? So you got a lot of things out there where you got to spend money to try and um, get the word out. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things you're, you're still trying to do, I call it a little, a little bit more kind of an old school approach where you're trying to figure, okay, let's have, what advertising based things do we do to get out there and get people to kind of know where we are and work the numbers or an in, inbound approach to me or inbound marketing is all about creating, you know, different types of content and, and developing your own brand and authority so that it draws people in so that you're getting a chance to, to you know, you're, you're contacting your ideal customers that are finding you versus trying to go connect with the masses and hopefully connect with one or two people that might be your ideal customer. So that, that's my kind of narrow definition of it. Um, and everything that we do, obviously, is going to be web-based and trying to create your, your website as the, the referral or the central hub of, of your inbound marketing platform. And it's all really about attracting you know, the right kind of people in. Well, so let me ask you this. I am a, a huge fan of content and content creation and, and I've done paid traffic, but I don't know. It seems a little bit to me like figure out the organic stuff and, and target your audience and start creating content that talks to them because it gives you a better platform to launch paid traffic from. Like you already know what they're resonating with. So I don't know. Like what do you any advice? Cause I still see so many people, especially web designers who don't create their own content and they're constantly building someone else's business. Um, but you know, is there any advice in terms of the content creation that you, you, you want to give? Well, see, my whole approach even for our own business is going to be, you know, try and focus on building your own website, your own web presence. I think so much of it these days comes back to like, just like your standard traditional blog posts. Cause there's so much that can come off of that. Um, Right. So let me give an example of that we, I mean, obviously we try and I don't know what you have, what your um, recommendation is, but for my own business or for clients that we work with, you know, you're trying to say, Hey, let's at least try and get a blog post a week or maybe two a month type of thing. So, but one, one of the things that we like to do is to try and figure out how can you get one piece of content or one effort and try and get, you know, two or three or 10 X out of it rather than just one X. Right. So as an example of that would be one of my favorite, um, I guess, content generation or content marketing tactics would be would be to say, okay, instead of doing these one-off blog posts where we're trying to like target a keyword or something like that, or maybe I'm um, target one of these things that's trending and, and might be kind of, you know, shareable or hot in the market right now. Let's figure out how we can create a blog series, right? Of like 10 or 15 um, standalone blog posts that could be part of a series. And then at the end, see if there's a way we could stitch them together into an ebook, into a Kindle, and then we can then kind of use that as something to launch off and do multiple things. So you're doing like the one piece of, of content one time, but we're trying to find ways where you're getting multiple wins off of it. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that we you know, recommend that clients do, or even web designers, people that are trying to maybe get to that next level. Cause you have to, you have to, I mean, your websites, I mean, you pitch the same thing, right? Your website, I mean, it's an asset. It has to grow. I mean, you want things, everything that you do, you want that to be the referral source of everything that you're doing. Um, even podcasts. I mean, as we go out and look around, like for, for podcasts, are going and trying to figure out okay, which ones might be a good match. I see some ones that have been out there for a long time that are still like popular to this day, but they don't use the site, their own website as like a platform to showcase it. They'll put it up on like, you know, Libsyn or somewhere else. And you go to their website. It's actually, there's not, not even a, you know, a place. Not, I guess that would probably be a little bit more of an amateur move, but I'd be surprised the ones I'm researching and trying to create my own database there are a lot out there that don't use their own website as the referral source for their own podcast content. So try to tie all that piece together and make sure that, you know, you're constantly generating content, putting it up, 
investing in blog posts and trying to invest in other forms of content, but making sure that it's all that your website's the referral source. I think that's one of the things that's uh, missing with everybody. And you probably see this too at some points. Like one of the things that we see with local clients here in Kansas City is if, if people are doing anything from a content standpoint, a lot of times what they do is they're posting their best stuff up on Facebook where like it dies, right? There's no trail <laughs> back to the, right? I, I, I literally had a, a sorry, a, a site that was, and I'm out of the website gigs now, but the, the last site I had done, uh, one of them and the, the, the money guy, I re- literally said, well, what do we need a website for? We have our Facebook page. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure your name's not Mark Zuckerberg. So <laughs> you don't have that. None of that's yours. He's happy. Yeah. I constantly tell people, it's like, you're going to put something, you know, put those posts, put those articles, put it up on a, on a blog post and then share that out. So people have to come back. Right. I mean, this is all stuff that obviously you're already doing, but how many people do that? They do anything. They go put their best stuff up on somebody else's platform and don't invest it on their own site. They leave them as these kind of digital um, brochures that are static and, and don't, don't plug the rest of the stuff that they're doing in, into the site. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday who they've created a tool, um, to help web developers get content from clients. And like what I found, I, I don't do a lot of local sites because it, when I was doing it, it felt very, there's a lot of education required in terms of really understanding how, how important it is to create content um, for your site. But, um, you know, it's, I'm floored truly that you were saying that, Phil, that people are just hosting podcasts on Libsyn or stuff that that's fascinating. It totally gives me a ton of ideas for content. <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, we'll go off on that later because I got a whole thing. Like I've been start, starting to study this because, I mean, this is part of my content marketing strategy, right? Trying to reach out to people like yourselves that, you know, have an audience and a niche targeting folks that are doing it that I think they're doing it the right way, coming up with, sh- um, you know, show notes and that kind of stuff and giving chance of people a chance to have some some kind of represent- representation on your site so that we can go again, go kind of share it out. But, you know, as I think about how and I see how some of these websites are doing, I was like, gosh, there's there's so much room for opportunity um, to kind of expand on on just this piece of it um, that it's really got me pretty pretty pumped um, about this whole piece of content. Where it's like I'm doing all these things to do SEO, and I think this podcast thing is probably one of the best, most maybe untapped areas. Because look, I'm going off on some things that I was you haven't even asked me on yet. yet. <laughs> I know. Right. But so if you think one of the ways that people, you know, try and improve their SEO right now is to try and do great blog posts, right? And try and do blog outreach and get their content placed as contribute you know, contribution posts or guest posts on authority websites, right? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. What a, it's a, such a, it's so hard because some of these have really high editorial standards. You need like a thousand words, sometimes 2000 words. You got to put screenshots, you got to pitch them. It takes a long time, right? But you go out and find a podcast with somebody that already has an audience, some authority in their niche. You talk to them, which is much easier, right, than, than trying to come up with a blog post and hem and hawing or hiring somebody a couple hundred bucks to do a really good one for you. Um, and all of a sudden, you're able to, one, reset audience. But second, a lot of these ones, the good ones anyway, either have write-ups or transcripts and things on, this, on, on the site with examples or resource links of the things that were talked about in the podcast, right? Super value. I mean, there's a killer, like, you know. It's basically kind of a secret blog post, a guest blog post strategy um, that's truly organic and the kind of stuff I think Google wants you to be doing anyway, but way easier, way easier to do. So, um, well, and you know, the other, and the thing is, it's like I joke around. I always said, you know, probably the podcast was one of the absolute best things I've done for my business. And the second thing is 
an almost daily email, but that's a separate conversation. But the other thing that blew me away, cause I did it. I, I just needed to have more fun <laughs> and I'm a huge audio consumer and it was, it's the relationships, right? So having this conversation, like, I mean, like sitting here listening to you, Phil, I'm like, okay, God, we could do a webinar and who else can I get you on for shows? Can I make some introductions? Because there's a connection, right? And then, so that value that comes from that, like takes it that much further. It, totally. I mean, so I'm super pumped about that. And you talk about content. I think this is probably there's certain things that come up like once a year. Where I'm just like kicking myself. Why haven't I been doing this for, you know, for longer? And I think part of it is because I am a true like introvert. You know, I went into finance. I loved SEO because I could, you know, basically change the world from my Batcave type of deal. <laughs> then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden Google came out with these punitive algorithms, Panda and Penguin and stuff like that. And you actually had to get out, create content, put your name up on a website, connect with people, start talking, right? So it's an introvert's hell to some degree. <laughs> I mean, but, but it's fun to get you out there and that kind of stuff. And that's really, really kind of what, um, what's driving a lot of this is you see these guys out there and everybody's kind of trying to get out there and try to create their own, you know, personal brand, authority, trust, and all this kind of stuff. And this one's key. Same thing with LinkedIn. I never really, I kicked myself for not getting more involved with LinkedIn. I just started to kind of do that like a couple of years ago. I was like, geez, that's, I'm actually got some really good clients off of regularly posting some of my best stuff up in there. And I kind of feel like this now, here you are, you've been doing it for, for quite some time. Um, John, who's I co-wrote SEO for Growth, and he was doing it back in like 2005. Wow! And he said him a couple times, like he thinks that's really what helped him launch not only his brand, but he's had several best-selling books and that kind of stuff. And he consistently, you know, attributes it to the early getting involved and staying involved with podcasting. So. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Again, like I, I would love to tell you I had this brilliant strategy, Phil. I just knew this was a better way for me to shine and connect with my audience, and I wanted to have fun. Um, you know, and the other piece of that, it's funny where you talk about it. Um, it like even LinkedIn, it's there's a lot of web properties because there's only so much time in the day, right? And I do have a question for you. They're kind of all over the place based on how this is coming. Um, but even like with LinkedIn, you know, it's like I'm on all those platforms, but I I can't say that I know how to leverage them all. So how does social media tie in with SEO? And I'm sure that's a huge can of worms, but what, you know? Well, it's, it's interesting because when we wrote the book, we had a lot of, and then I'm kind of going back and forth on a lot of stuff. We had a, we had, there's a chapter in the book that addresses um, social, social and social signals for SEO, which a lot of us, I think that are doing what I would consider like, you know, tactical SEO work every day. We think there's a lot of us that think there is a, a direct correlation between the kind of social activity that you get and social signals back to your website and your content. Um, but, you know, Google comes out and they've basically kind of gone back and forth this over the years. Um, but I think their, their current official stances, you know, they can't really count social signals or, you know, you know and then all the things that you would consider a social signal, like the likes and the pluses and the tweets and all that kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of us who do this every day and see people that are more active know that there's an at least indirect relationship, at least indirect correlation between content that gets, um, you know, plus tweeted, like passed around versus content that's never clicked on or seen. Right. Mm -hmm. And that makes perfect sense because when we see stuff that's, that's out there, that's, that looks like it's got more um, activity behind it, that it's more interesting to us as people. So Google some way, somehow I believe has to be counting that. Now, whether again, whether it's indirectly because they're able to, to gauge what kind of traffic or how many people are visiting a site or they are actually somehow counting those signals. I mean, I can tell you right off the bat that when we incorporate a, a um, a social media program in with a holistic SEO approach that those tend to do a lot better than ones that don't do any type of, of um, social. So 
you know, it's one of these things. I put money on it, but if you go ask Google and put, you know, go up in one of their forums or ask one of their their spokesmen, do do you count is is our social signals a ranking signal? But they just come out flat out pretty much and say no, they're not because uh, it's too easy to manipulate. But if you ask you know, ten SEOs, I think nine or ten of them would probably tell you, sure, yes, they do count. So what does that mean? It means again, creating your your best content, putting it back on your website as a referral source, and then make sure that you're sharing that content. From your website, right? Because your your website's the marketing hub. It should be the marketing hub of everything that you do, and then and then passing it out and sharing it um, consistently on all your social media platforms. Well, yeah, I I probably have the social platforms I spend more time on Facebook, but I I mean I look at where my traffic's coming from. Facebook and Twitter send me a ton of traffic, but it's always I'm sharing my own stuff on those platforms. And you know I'd love your your take on this too because. Uh, I, I did my first Facebook live stream, um, almost a month ago. Here's the deal, Phil. So I pulled it and I've got a plugin that pulls the video and pulls the Facebook comments and his WordPress comments. But then I wrote a post, like, here's my thoughts on my first live stream and da, da, da. And really, I believe for me to continue that, I want a strategy in place. But it was that post then, you know, that I went and shared it, but that was my highest traffic day in months. Awesome. So actually, you did the Facebook live post and you pulled it in onto your site mm-hmm. and you did a write up on it, right? So then it became the source, so people had to come back. Yeah. Your highest traffic, you probably got. I mean, so you got everybody's got kind of the the lead carrots and call to action carrots on your website. Oh so yeah. You had some nice downloads, and that all worked like the way it's supposed to. Yeah, you know, and so I think there's a way that. <laughs> I don't know. And I think a lot of people get like, oh, it sounds like so much. But, you know, like my podcast, there's a lot of time that goes into my posts. And I'm like, yeah, but it pays off. So if you do the work, it will pay off. Um, I could go 80 directions with everything you say. So I'm going to bring it back. And one of the things you said uh, in the book, too, it, it, and you're talking about why 99% of websites fail. Are there a couple common things you see a lot of people doing that you can share? I, I just think and a big reason we wrote the book and I see this every day because I mean, we're literally take, talking to small business you know, businesses really of any size, but mostly based here in Kansas City. And I just see the way most of web design, I think, is still pitched today, still pitched to me as a design driven thing, as a digital brochure. Um, you see that. And I think part of it's, you know, obviously it's a victim of its own name, right? You say web design when it really should be marketing platform is really what they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it doesn't help that we've got like, you know, Wix and Weebly and all those guys trying to say, hey, we'll sell you a $50 website um, and get you listed on Google, quote unquote, on the commercials, you know, trying try to brainwash people that it's, you know, these are things that are, you know, expenses and not investments. Yeah. So you say it. And they, so I think the biggest mistake is um, not building a website around a marketing strategy. Right. Not just trying because I think there's still most of the way people still build websites, at least here in town. Um, with the, the competition that we have, is they're still kind of pitched as digital brochures, right? So people yeah. are pitching the design, the creativity, and the bells and whistles and the features. When I think they should be talking about return on investment, what's the marketing strategy? You know, where, where's your where's your high margin product? Where are your low margin ones? What how, what do we do to get our head around your business and reverse engineer a website that's based on what your goals are, right? Versus it trying to just something uh, you know generate another show pony web, website that looks good for a while. And that's really what ends up happening. I think a lot of small business owners are feeling burned these days because what ends up happening is they get these really nice websites out there that look great. And they, I think that they feel like they should probably be helping them make the phone ring, but they end up not. And after you've had a website for like two or three months, it's just your own website again, right? It's yeah. got to start making money. <laughs> totally. So I think that's what, you know, a lot of time, but you're a business owner or maybe you're, you know, a web designer that's a little bit more kind of on the creative side. You just get these two people together and they're just thinking about what they can do to kind of present, you know, 
their vision to the world, almost like they're building a brochure. And I think that's where the big mistake is because there's an opportunity very early on to make um, websites search engine friendly, right? Figuring out who the ideal customers are, how they search, what types of content they consume, and then figuring out how to build web pages and things around that versus let's do a web, let's figure out the website and then do SEO on it later. Not the best way to get the best ROI. So that's been my whole pitch on it, you know, since the beginning. And I'm, I'm coming into this industry as an outsider. I didn't know a dang thing about web design. <laughs> Or programming. I mean, I learned what I learned today just by what I had to learn to keep kind of the business going and get to the next level. I mean, I literally, I think in my little sheet that I sent you, I got a D in computer science you know, <laughs> in college. I mean, so it was like, this is the kind of the worst thing, you know. So that's coming. But, but I, my approach to all this has always been talking to, to business owners and stuff is let's talk, let's bring it back to the language they understand, which is return on investment, right? Expense versus asset, those types of things. And then and then we get put it in those terms. I think it's a lot easier to figure out or, or at least to avoid um, mistakes, because I think that's what ends up gives the web design industry kind of a black eye is when I think a lot of people these days, when they want to build a website, they think it's going to help them their business. Right. Because when a lot of companies out here today, they go out when they need marketing strategy, they're not searching for marketing strategy. They're searching for tactics. I want to help in social media. I need a new website. I need SEO. I need AdWords. Right. They probably really have a bigger problem than that. It's probably you know, more about marketing strategy and goal. And you can't hip shoot things anymore. They've got to be part of a holistic approach. And really, the website is the embodiment of a well thought out marketing strategy. And that's where I think there's a huge opportunity for all of us, but particularly like web designers, because they're the ones that usually get the call first, right? Right. But they're not always the first ones to talk about the marketing strategy piece of it. And I think, I don't know if that really answers where your the mistake part of it is, but I do think there's a big, huge opportunity for business owners. Because if, if they're going to spend $1,000 on a website or $5,000 on a website or $10,000 on a website, it's still a lot of money to them. It's an investment, right? So they got to get the most out of it. And it's got to be in a way that I think helps them get a return on investment. And I think thinking about these things and asking the right questions and baking into the website is, is, you know, is a huge opportunity. I, I totally agree. It's funny because I do think a lot of web designers don't, um, look at the, the marketing piece of it, which is totally where I love being. But, you know, it's like I, over the last year, my audience is probably sick of hearing this, but have gone back like to old school direct response marketing principles and trying to understand copy and writing and, and connection and pain points and selling and stuff. And so if, you know, if a web designer, web dev, a company even doesn't, they need to find that person that knows how to position it, right? So that, that the consumer, yeah. I have the best little quick local story is I had had, there's a local spa. It was the last site I bartered. I've known them. I've gone there for years. And I had asked him about his website way before and it was, oh, you know, whatever. Well, the problem is that nobody could buy gift certificates. The site was so old, Phil, that the person who built it, um, used some scrolly font, all pretty and flowy. Um, nice. but they were images. So all their content was an image. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, right. So once we got the new site live and I put the gift certificate button all over the place, all over the site, 76% increase in gift certificate sales the first month the site went live. Awesome. Simply just from having the content indexable on the site and having that button there and, you know, and being, you know, mobile friendly and all that. But, um, it's, I do, I think a lot of people just don't get that it's not just, you can't just throw up a brochure site anymore. It's, you're not going to be around if that's what you do. <laughs> even on, the, even on the web designer side, I mean, I think it's much easier to sell. And where we are, we start at $7,500. So I don't know if that's high or low, but I mean, generally we're shooting for like a $10,000. Your website are up. And in general, that's informational website. So 
how do how do you do that? How do you compete against other people that are one man bands or, or solopreneurs or guys that are willing to kind of because they're trying to get the next deal? They're they're selling a thousand or two thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollar websites. Well, you do that by pitching the return on investment piece of it, right? Yeah. Because if you if you're going on cost, then it's a digital brochure. Go after just the artwork piece of it. But if you can go in as a web designer and say. I'm not only going to build you something that looks really good and is functional. I'm also going to help you, you know, set position this thing so it actually makes you money. Now you can actually charge a lot more money for it, right? Because you're actually pitching it as an, an asset. And I think that's a huge opportunity for folks. But you got to get your head and own the, the marketing piece a little bit more. And you can't really just. And the big issue that I have with a lot of folks is that they'll they go out and they'll say, "Well, are you going to talk about? Are you going to address SEO or Google like it's a?" you know, side of French fries or something. So I just go in and like drop Yoast plugin and we just optimize your site, right? There's like not even touch that type of thing. You got to take it a little bit further than that piece of it. But um, so again, big opportunity for I think business owners to understand, hey, don't just treat this thing as a, a digital brochure. But if you're a web designer, man, get into a little bit more because you can actually sell your service for a lot more money if it's positioned as an asset and a revenue generator, you know, versus just a digital brochure. Yeah, totally agree. All right, so this is a little. Uh, this is a totally uh, selfish question, but I would love any tips on getting over my hatred of keyword research because I know it's important. But for it's just, I feel like I, no matter what I look at, and you know, keys to the your book helping, but um, it just seems like I can't wrap my head around it. So to me, that's still the heart and soul of my whole process. It all kind of, and I still. You know, my go-to tool is still um, good old AdWords keywords tool. Of course, I think for a lot of folks, they say they've stripped that down if you've got a new account. But I mean, I, my accounts have been so active that I get the same amount of data that I've always gotten. Um, but I know they say newer ones, they strip it down and give you a lot less in terms of the, the keyword data. They group it. Um, but, you know, I'm in, I use Ahrefs and SEMrush. I really try and spend a lot of time, especially initially when we're building a new website, to try and, you know, drill down and get what I would consider like the top 50 or 100 keywords in that and, and use that to build the website and actually build a content marketing plan on it. So is there an easy way to do it? <laughs> really? I mean, it's just part of the grind. But once yeah. you, you kind of do it and get your master list and kind of revisit it and make sure that you're incorporating into your, your content strategy, um, it really does pay off. Because if you don't if you don't have that piece right, anything that you build on top of it is you just don't know where the finish line is. Right. And we see this time and time again. And I think you've heard of some of your, po- your your podcasts, too, where you're just like, gee, some of it's like not even remotely optimized or, you know, they're not going after the right keywords or even every, I mean, every company that we come, that comes in is usually they hear blogging or more blogging. They just start blogging. I mean, yeah. and it's just randomly blogged about stuff where if they just would have you know thought about it and tied it into some type of a theme or keyword or, or product that they're going into, they'd probably get 10 times more value out of it in terms of traffic or just even building the SEO equity of the site. So I don't really have an easy magic box number, but if it, if it, if it were that easy, I guess, or didn't take the work, (laughs) it it, may make be harder to make a living off of it. Yeah, no, you know, it's one of those things too. And I think probably for a lot of, you know, marketers, entrepreneurs, um, even, you know, coming up with their own content strategy, it's like, you really, and again, like going, I feel like I've gone backwards so many and to go to some of these fundamentals, but it's like, you really have to take the time to do the work and do the planning and, and look at, um, I was actually writing a, a post for a solo show today and talking about kind of some shifts that I see happening with online marketing. And 
a lot of the hype. I think it's the space is maturing. The hype's always going to be there. Um, but you know, with, with you see a lot of listicle posts and especially in the WordPress space where I'm like, really, do we need another top 10 WordPress SEO plugins post? Like I, I, I get it if those things rank and, but it's like, I don't know that there's necessarily sort of an end goal strategy to just other than this aggregation of a bunch of random how to do this with WordPress stuff. And, and so my, my question within all of that is, you know, where does, does Google, I thought, I forget, maybe it was Syed Balki, but saying, you know, Google's actually looking at the type of content you're creating and more conversational or, you know, does that stuff come into play as well? Yes. I still think, you know, those kind of posts are still kind of doing, you know, pretty well and probably will do well for a while. Yeah. I mean, the, the facts are the facts that it's still to this day, the long form posts seem to be outperforming you know, the shorter, thinner ones. Um, and there are a lot of different factors in that. I think most of the time, though, if somebody's willing to write a 1500 or, or 2000 word blog post and put the time in it, they're probably adding all sorts of stuff in it. Nice reference links, um, embedding video, making graphics and pictures. And so a lot of this has to do with how, what is a quality rating factor, but it's also one of the big things that's been studied over the last like six or 12 months in the industry, a hot topic is dwell time on a site, right? So if it it's going away from the old, you know, thought where people were worried about, you know, what's the bounce rate if somebody comes on a, on a web page and bounces off? Is that good or bad? And, and, you know, most, I think the consensus is it's not really a good metric and Google's probably not using it, but where people are seeing a correlation is when people are spending more time on a page. So somebody spending, you know, 10 or 15 seconds versus you know, spending 20 or 30 minutes on reading a long post or whatever. Um, a lot of people think that they can prove that there's a correlation for that kind of stuff. So the listicles tend to be a lot longer, right? They tend to have a lot more um, content in them um, and they tend to get passed around and linked to more, especially when you're, when you've got a listicle of somebody where we've got, okay, here's the top 10 people are saying this, they've got links in it that gets spread out socially. Those folks link back to it and then amplify it all of a sudden for, you know, just a general, you know, listicle thing, which you've seen a million times because it's generating that amount of social signals, they still tend to do, you know, pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I, and don't get me wrong. I write them and I like them. Most of my posts, the only time a post of mine is less than a thousand words is when I take my daily email and I write it and I'll copy and paste it. I'm like, it's extra content. I, I do the social share. I put it out there. It's, it's crazy that it, that works too to me, but. Well, getting on the dwell time piece right, on this topic is this is what's really got me amped up. And I've got like 10 more points on why I think podcasting is so awesome for SEO. But, but the fact that like somebody like you does the, the write up so well. Right. And then you link to this and it's a referral source. And the fact that the, uh, the actual podcast is embedded on the page, this really helps you get a lot more credit for that dwell time factor, right? Cause we sit on your page and in your case, you're listening to like an hour, you know, 45, yeah. 50 minutes. In some cases, like 20 or 30 minutes, which is still great, but this is an awesome way. It's even got me thinking. It's like, dang, man, I got to start getting my own podcast going because you should. <laughs> What a better a video people just don't hang out for. You got to get one or two minute video, right? Especially if it's, but the podcast suck us in. If you get into it and you're doing stuff, you can still be working kind of stuff. And all of a sudden now you've got somebody hanging out in your site for 30, 40, 50 minutes has to be a, a strong ranking factor. So, well, let me ask you this. I saw this and I thought this was so brilliant to me and was, um, and I want to say I don't use them, but I think it was Instapage. And so they, they had a lead magnet offer. And so I opted in and the whole thing was on the pages. It wasn't some PDF download. So it was like, you know, like say six chapters and then you could click through. But 
all of the content was sitting on the site or I was just on Moz, I think about a content audit. And it's like, they do almost like a table of contents. Everything is all on the page. And it's like, that's brilliant. You're hanging out there. That yeah. is brilliant. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, God, I could totally do a, a, a email sequence triggered from somebody spending time on the page, then send them the download if they want, but essentially putting a lead magnet on the page. So people are staying on the site. Exactly. I mean, that's the kind of, so you see that stuff going, not only is that another fad or people are going to be able to disprove it or something, but there seems to really be a lot of proof, especially where, where the, you're getting like these, um, very competitive, you know, uh, generic global organic searches where people are looking for information on words that convert for people. Um, you know, the trend is that this kind of stuff's working. So great content, you know, keeping the dwell time up and doing just the people are getting really clever about how do we keep people on a page and, and keep them on here as long as possible because, they're correlating those with higher rankings for that that piece of content. Oh, that's awesome. You're, you're totally making like my brain spin in a million directions. Um, so let's talk a little bit about link building. I don't know if you have any tips or best practices. It's one of those things, like I've never had a strategy for it because I think I'm not really sure where to start. Obviously, your book will help. But um, like what, you know, any suggestions on getting started with link building? Um, you know, a lot of it's going to be any type of guest posting you can do. I think it's going to be really helpful as, as long as you're doing it for the you're doing it for the right reason. The right reason would be to establish yourself, you know, as an authority, um, make connections that you have offline, online, um, and try and really at the end of the day, if, if you can get your content or get a link on a website that you can, this is the way I look at it. The kind of the golden rule of link building is if you can justify it, you know, you didn't pay for it or you didn't try and go off and scam it somewhere. You actually earn that site on a third party, um, place. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where you want to keep, you know, keep it focused. But, uh, guest blog posting, I think still it's one of those things that people have again tried to game and just use for, for volume based link building, which is a no, no. But if you can put them in the right places and really try and leverage, um, the audience first, I mean, you look at what the kind of website is it thematic? Does it relate to your, the type of business that you're in? And do the people that consume the content on that third party site that you want to get published on are those, you know, are those ideal clients for yourself? So that kind of stuff really helps. So people talk about link building. We talk a lot, a lot about link building in the book actually where, you know, all of SEO for like the first 10 years of it was all about making gray hat tweaks to your website and trying to get as many backlinks as possible. Right. And all of a sudden Google dropped the pit, the penguin bomb on it. And that whole offshore, you know, scam volume based link building model just totally crashed. That being said, backlinks are still probably one of the most important uh, factors out there. So it's, if you really want to compete um, in competitive niches, you can't like, you can't really avoid it. So you got to be proactive in how you do it. Um, so guest blog posting is going to be you know, a big thing, working through, trying to make connections. Um, in some cases, being smart about being reciprocal and trying to find places where, hey, can I post you on this certain topic? And maybe later you can post um, on mine and we can cross leverage each other's audiences. Uh, also things like this. I mean, this literally right now, this conversation is part of my link building strategy right? because <laughs> we're doing we're yeah. doing, I'm doing it not set necessarily for a link building piece, but literally when I had the, the team that's working with me to try and find ideal um, people to be guest posts on, the first thing that we, the first thing I look at one is I run and I do a quality check on the site and see, okay, who, what's the, what's the, what's their link profile look like? What's their domain authority? Is this a legit site in terms of how Google looks at it? Um, and then it's like, do they, how are they being smart about how they actually repost the content? So if, obviously in your case, you're doing all the things that I would consider are smart for, from an SEO perspective, which makes it uh, another win, another cascade of wins for, for somebody that's you know, coming on your show and, and doing that kind of stuff. But this is a great way to build links. So 
Um, being a guest on on you know podcasts would be one. Um, guest posting on whatever kind of relationships that you have. So, and sometimes people don't even realize that they can post on stuff. So, I, you know, here like here in town, I, I'm a member of a lot of associations. Okay, so the Better Business Bureau, um, three or four chambers. In a lot of cases, you know, people don't realize that they could actually take their content or their press release or even a blog post and republish that on one of these sites, which in Google's eyes are really trustworthy and high authority, right? Oh, yeah. But you just have to ask. So I went and I, I said, hey, BBB locally, can I guest post an educational post up on your website? They said, sure. You're the first person that's asked that. We did it. And now we've got other clients on it, right? We went and did the same thing with some of the chamber sites. If you just ask them to repost the press release, they'll do it. They'll give you a backlink to your website. It's just a matter of asking. So um, things like that, where you can go out and kind of just ask, especially ones that you're maybe paying for, um, where there's an association or something like that. It's a great way to get, especially if you're doing local, um, a great way to get a very high quality uh, backlink back to your website. You need to do a paid class on podcasting for SEO. I will sell it for you. <laughs> I'm like, you figure that I'm like, I, I just think it's one of those things. Like it makes me really excited that I have stuck with this. Um, but well, can I give you a couple really quick ideas right here before I, I'm like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. One is the, okay. So the tra- I think I see people doing transcripts, right? I mm-hmm. personally like the way that you do them because you do summaries as a little more personal. Okay, but good. if I had my own podcast, which I probably will probably at some point here, I think what I was thinking is, geez, wouldn't it be awesome if you could, do, if I did it the way you did it in terms of like writing it up because it's so fresh and you're, you know, hot, you could write this stuff up. But if there's this way to get a transcript, right? And then offer that to the guest as a, as almost like a guest post on their site. So they republish it, right? Oh, holy moly. And so. then you ask, then you ask them to embed it and then maybe even include your, Hey, if we do this, you know, would you mind putting a mention or a link back to whoever my sponsor is for that day or whatever? And all of a sudden you're getting access to their audience. They go amplify it and do that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so so I'll, I'll send you the transcripts. I'll do them <laughs> as a test. The, the other thing I think, I don't see people doing it at all. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm just not noticing. But, you know, I want to come in here and like literally um, name drop names like John Jantz. Yeah. <laughs> like um, I got a great example. My next thing is Josh Steinle. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, but he's mm-hmm. one of these. Um, and he's a he's just a, he's an influencer out there. He's written a great book called um, a couple of them, I think. But I guess chief the chief marketing officers at work, I believe it's called. And it, what it is, that's basically a series of interviews that he's done. I don't know, 15 or, or 20 of them with with high profile chief marketing officers. Right. So. When I have a podcast, what I would do probably is try and figure out, can I do a series of podcasts with very specific questions with people in a niche and then have the transcript be like like Josh did in his book and have that make it a chapter. So you've got these interviews and all of a sudden you buckle together and stitch an interview. You've got a really killer book like he did with the people in it that have kind of basically helped you write it. I'm like, I'm just like in awe. So if I'm quiet, I'm just I'm taking notes, too. Go ahead. But, but I mean, that's basically the way he did it. So he basically went and interviewed all the people he thought were ideal clients, asked them a specific set of questions. But of course, if you're doing a podcast, you're basically like writing a book. Pretty much. You're doing. Yeah. Like, you could do that. And for the, in most cases, if you're saying you're going to do that and you amplify it and that kind of stuff, I'm sure you could get a lot of people to do it. And all of a sudden, it's like you've got a transcript that ends up being put together the right way. And then you've stitched together. You've got a really cool book. The people are in it. If they're in it, they're, and this is what kind of comes back. I'm going to take one more step back to SEO for growth. If you look at this with fresh eyes, you're going to see that we came up and we got like 50 influencers to endorse it. Um, I've got a quote from an influencer on every chapter. I've got an expert to watch at the end of every chapter. 
And each one of those people, for the most part, helped us to amplify the book because they were in it. So it wasn't just about selling the book and saying, look at the people who endorse it. It was really more about using them as leverage to go amplify on their social media and help us sell the book for us. So if you read through it, you'll see it's like we literally have like 200 people that we cited. So I went out and I contacted every single one of those people and say, you're an influencer. I used your content in my book and referenced it. They were super psyched, right? Got us in a ton of different um, guest blog post situations and in, in high, high authority websites, which in turn has increased the, the SEO for growth website authority super high in a short period of time. And then we've actually used that as a leverage to launch these little um, sitelets in other cities. So if you go type up like SEO St. Louis right now or St. Louis SEO, you'll see St. Louis.SEO for growth ranked number one for that search term, which we did in a period of months. Atlanta, we're doing the same thing. So we're launching this out. But you end up using this. This is where it gets back to like trying to figure out how do you create one piece of content and leverage it like so you get 10, 20 X on it. This is the kind of stuff that you do. Because I think a lot of people with like endorsements or even with the podcast stuff that they're creating don't realize how much more you can leverage it um, in a content thing, either for SEO or even to, into different platforms. So it gets me really pumped up and I'm like talking about, I'm, I'm like actually, sitting here with my I'm, mouth I'm open. Sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> well, but, um, you know what I love about that too, Phil, is it's, you know, everybody hears the repurpose content, repurpose content, but you're not just saying, take this, turn it into a PowerPoint, make a video, do this. You know, it's really, it's, it's, there's a strategy behind it. And, I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. You could sell something on podcasting SEO because there's nothing really good out there. So, <laughs> um, uh, literally, like Josh, I'm going to say hi, Josh, because I'm going to go out and say, Josh, you're an inspiration. I'm actually going to tag this and I hope, and John's going to like amplify it. Hopefully, Josh will too. A couple other people that really helped me, I think, inspiration my whole life really helped us kind of build a seven digit agency would be guys like, you know, Brian, Dean at Backlinko and Ann Hanley, who's um, really the reason yeah. I make part of it. Undo it. So you mentioned these guys. I'm purposely mentioning them shamelessly in your podcast because I'm going to say in my LinkedIn post, hey, I talked about you guys in this. Check it out. And then hopefully they'll amplify it and drive a bunch of content to you. Right. But it actually is the truth. Also, we, I wrote about them extensively in the book. Um, but it's, I think, another way to kind of you know drop Easter eggs in this kind of content so we can use it to leverage it many more times than just kind of your average, um, you know, interview. Well, and I'm certainly going to link and mention them. <laughs> <laughs> and tweet hey you were mentioned in this show um you know on, on that note like what are your thoughts on medium and and repurpose like putting blog posts on there should it be original content linking back like any insight on that yeah so the way i do it and i think other people have different ways i use a uh, a plugin called snap auto poster mm -hmm. okay and snap enables me to basically plug all my major social media posts into WordPress so that when I hit publish, it automatically publishes from WordPress to medium and most of my social media stuff. So the cool thing about medium is when it automatically reposts, you post it, it you don't get ding because they've got the tag on there. So I would replay, I would republish that as many times as you could. One of the coolest thing, I think some of the influencers doing like Neil Patel does is he'll take one of his epic blog posts, republish like a third of it on LinkedIn and make you go back to the post. Ah, smart. And that I think really works. I was like, ah, that's a really smart move. I'm going to start doing that myself. So you get it, get it down to where it's got like some kind of a poll where you've got something really interesting. And it's like, here's the, here's, here's the answer. Read more here. And you go back to the, back to the, the, the blog post. So all that kind of stuff, definitely on LinkedIn, definitely on Medium. Um, oh, like those, putting the whole post on LinkedIn as a, as an article. Well, some people put the whole post, but I think it's smarter the way he's doing it, which yeah. is put a third or half of it and make them go back for the goodies. 
to drive your traffic up. So that's the way I do it. Except on my, in my case on medium, the way I've got it set up on my website, I'm auto posting everything. Um, as soon as I hit publish, basically and I stagger them, but it's going, the whole post is going to medium with, with a link back to the website. But yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, for sure. You just got to be careful who, who you allow to, or what platforms you allow to republish. Cause some of them, you'll have the real canonical tag on it and it'll basically saying, Hey, the source content is over here on this website. So republishing is not going to you know, hurt you from a duplicate content standpoint. Um, oh my God. You were like, this, this has been so fun. I feel like I could talk to you for two, two days. Um, one more question. And then I want to talk, we'll wrap up so people know where to get the book and everything is what a, last question is, is would be with video and SEO. Like how, how does that play into, you know, a real solid strategy and what's the best use for it? Well, uh, a couple different things on it. For me, I think video in general, if you use it on your website, increases the dwell time we were talking about. But if you do it the right way, especially like video testimonies and that kind of stuff, it's huge. Because um, every time that we see it and we put – first of all, you step, get a step back from that. I mean, I think the biggest thing in web design and website internet marketing right now is is reviews, right, and trust and all that kind of stuff. Because whatever your political inclinations are – because of this last election, people trust the internet a lot less. Yeah. So Google actually totally rewrote its quality guidelines like a month ago, and it's all based on trying to weed out fake news and all this kind of stuff because it's like, all oh, you know, people just don't trust the internet. So being able to come back and use content in a way that increases that additional trust that we've lost in the internet is super important. I think video is one of those things, especially if you can make it personal and short, find ways to get um, you know testimonials in there. Uh, is super important. It's also really important, I think, for SEO. If you, I think, if you use the YouTube platform and embed and drive people back and forth and, and make sure that you know, you've got that. I believe that if you're using embedded YouTube content, they're at least I'm paranoid enough to believe that using that and embedded that on your website is is probably an on-page factor versus maybe using another platform. Um, but it's also just helpful to have that content republished up on on YouTube because people could find it on its own. But um, YouTube, I, I think so. YouTube, I think video content is super important. I think it's really important for um, getting that no like trust factor up on your on your website, increasing dwell time and that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, every every website that we design has a video you know, in the mock up on the homepage. Basically, that's how important we think it is. So. Oh, well, that kind of sums that up. <laughs> um, so. Wrapping up, obviously people can get, and I'll of course have the links to the site and to Amazon on the book. Um, who, who would you recommend SEO for growth? Who is the book for? Well, we wrote it for, for marketers, web designers and entrepreneurs. That's kind of the, the tag on the book, but I, I think I personally, you know, wrote it a little bit more for, for web designers because I just kind of see, um, even out there right now, I mean, it just seems like people get a little bit stuck in, I, I think here, my, my, my real thought is so many businesses need help, right? Mm-hmm. And they need marketing. But web designers in particular don't realize that they've got such a great uh, entry point into businesses because that's I've got three websites that I market here in town. By far, the one that generates the most leads is the people looking for web design, right? Oh, so yeah. but they've got a great opportunity to get and talk to people and build them not a one-time website, but position themselves in a way where they can become part of the team and not build a $3,000 or $5,000 website, but build a website for five or 10000 and earn 1000 or 2000 or $3,000 a month as a marketing partner. That's a game changer for people, right? 
And that's really what I wrote the book for. It's really about here's what you could do. Read through it. Understand how you need to make a revenue generating website and create your own either solo practice or your own agency where you can, I think, change your life. I mean, it's definitely changed mine. Um, and my again, my whole focus has been trying to f- build these things in a way that I think business owners resonate with on the revenue generating piece. And I think that's kind of what my passion was for it is to kind of this is what we see. I mean, the biggest part of my business here in town really is almost rebuilding brand new websites. People go out and they go build them now. They either lose traffic or they don't generate them. And then they go find somebody who they think who can help us with SEO. And then we go say, we got to build you a new website type of a thing. Right. Yeah. So, and that's kind of, I think who we really wrote it for, but I think for a business owner that wants to get their head around it and doesn't want to read the thousand page art of SEO, a book by Eric Anga, you know, read <laughs> SEO for growth. Um, some people, when they read this, they're going to think it's more about like content marketing this piece. We've got a few people that have kind of reviewed it and said, well, this isn't really about SEO. What's it's, it's, it used to be in, when you think about SEO, it just used to be the tactical piece of technical SEO and link building. But Google's getting so much better at reaching out and seeing all these other things like reviews and content, you know, pod, all the stuff they're able to kind of go out and count. It, it, they have more a more holistic view and they're starting to you know, calculate that in their algorithm. So when you read it, you're seeing us cover all these different areas that basically ends up being digital marketing. And that's what I really think what you know SEO today is. It's not just about that little those little technical pieces under the hood. It's about all these other things because that's what Google's starting to count. Oh my God. You were just, this has been <laughs> I feel like I just got like a an extra degree or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> certification, whatever. Not, but but again, I think, you know, a lot of my audience, it's, it's, it is, it's pretty much marketers, web designers, entrepreneurs. And if you're not building an agency, take this and implement it for yourself. And, um, I just, I, I'm thrilled because being a fan of content marketing, I feel like you've totally validated my belief in it now. Um, I mean, and I've seen that it works for myself, but so where is the best place for people to get the book? Well, we'll try and send people to the book website, seoforgrowth.com. We've got, um, because on there, like on the book page, we actually have a, um, we got like, like a little, uh, ebook bundle. One's, um, Larry Kim from Wordstream gave us an ebook that, that I think they charge for. And, um, it's, we got that for free. And then we've got one from, um, the Yoast folks. They've got one of their books. So we've got like a, if you go buy the, the, the ebook on Amazon, you go back to the website page and then enter the Amazon code on there. You can get your, um, it's a three ebook bundle pack that's really only on our website. That's probably worth another you know, twenty dollars um, in there from the guys that have contributed that to it. So we just try and send that people to the to the official book site first, and then, but it's really only for sale on Amazon. So <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, it's great. I mean, there's there's other info on here as well, and you definitely have some uh, experts <laughs> endorsing the book too. I mean, it's it's fantastic. You certainly practice what you preach. So, Phil, I am so stoked that we did this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You kind of ruined my life last week. I got so sucked into some of those podcasts <laughs> that I, I literally, especially the one you had one with the, um, the, um, there was another web designer on it and you and her were just kind of like talking shop about, Hey, people charge. I was like so into that one because it's like all those things were resonating, you know, but, um, great stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I totally appreciate it. And yeah, I'm <laughs> this week. I'm looking forward. I've got one coming out on just the hype, the internet marketing and my own predictions for where things are going. So. <laughs> You just, you never know. (laughs) All right, guys, you know the drill. So just stay tuned. I will have some links, everything, and then some will now be in the show notes because now my brain is spinning. Um, But hang on. As always, thanks so much for listening. And I will catch you guys next week.
All right, guys, I know I totally geeked out on that show and fell. My brain, I have to tell you, it was spinning for a long time after that episode. And I am going through the book with a highlighter and a pen. And he just, wow, awesome interview. I hope you guys got some gold nuggets from that one and wrote it down. So be sure to go to seoforgrowth.com, order the book through Amazon. All the links are in the show notes. And just connect with him. Phil's a great guy. So yeah, I, I'm really excited. That was a ton of fun. 